Hello, everyone. Welcome to the anniversary episode of the Vagabond Exchange, starring Emily and a salacious William. <laughs> um, that's his greeting. E- He's eating, eating M&M's, M&M's. Peanut M&M's. Mm-hmm. And yelling at the cat. And making otherwise inappropriate statements. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It's hard to believe it's been a year. Is it hard to believe? Yeah. We actually stuck to it. and We did. We've done like 28 episodes. Or this is the 28th is it? episode. Yeah. That's cool. We should throw ourselves a 30th birthday party. We should. Because, you know. You should get to work on that. I will. I like throwing parties. Um, is that M&M good? It is very good. good. Chocolatey. So, Katie Holmes had a weird outfit on. Yeah, she does. It's uh, a little plaid number with... Uh, these aren't even mom jeans. These are like... I don't know. Man jeans. They're very like carpenter jeans. Carpenter jeans. Or like 19... I don't know. Maybe 1960s prison jeans. That's what they remind me of. Yes. Rolled up. And They're like, very Andy Dufresne. Some monotone spats or whatever you call those kinds of shoes. They remind me of jazz shoes that I wore for dance classes when we had to have nude colored jazz shoes. Right. When I'd have recitals. And a leather, looks like a worn leather belt. Yeah, she got it from a tannery. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to post this to the Vagabond Exchange uh, Facebook page just because it's a very odd looking outfit. And of course the... Uh, Tabloids have made it out to be troubling and disturbing and things right. like that, other than maybe just a bad decision. Yes. And really, who am I to judge? I've probably gone out and worse than that. Yeah. But Although... It is, it is weird. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering the, about the decision-making behind it. <laughs> At least she has a little bit of an open collar. She didn't button a collar all Yeah, the that up. would have been weird. Yeah. And she's got her celebrity sunglasses on. Yeah. So. So, maybe that's Tom. Maybe that isn't Katie. It could be, because look at the face. Yeah. Maybe they've just morphed into one person. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll let you listeners, or you listener, decide. Right. That's yeah. you, Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up? Are you in Boston yet, Joe? Because <laughs> um, we'll have to change your name at that point to Boston, Boston Joe. Boston Joe. So, yeah, that'll be out on the Facebook page under Vagabond Exchange. Or you can email us if you want to. And that email is vagabondexchange at gmail.com. That's right. You know, I was just thinking we have a number of things we want to talk about. Do we? And I had them all open. And then you closed them. And I them. closed them all, which Well, what made you do in that? Retrospect. Jeez. I know. Anyway, um, how have you been? I've been okay. I'm a little sore today. Yeah? Yeah. What from? I if, did, if, I, if you don't mind me asking. Well, I wouldn't have mentioned it all if right. I didn't think you were going to ask. I did Pilates yesterday. Yeah? And I feel like I've been either hit by a Mack truck or how he'd envision feeling like after being hit by a Mack truck. Mm -hmm. Or I just feel like all of my muscles are rebelling against my body. So they're pulling away from my bones. But that way you know you had a good workout. Apparently I did. Because I've been very whiny today, as you know. Yes. (laughs) As opposed to other days. Hey, I'm not this whiny most days. Am I? No, really, am I? No. Okay. How have you been? I've been well. Because it's been a little bit since we did our last one, hasn't it? It's been a couple of weeks since the um, The San Francisco Francisco episode. episode. Slash Nashville flood episode. Should we give an update on that? 
Yeah, things are looking up. Yes. And um, there's still a lot of cleanup going on. Opryland Hotel is still closed. I believe Opry Mills, the mall. The mall yes, the still super closed. mall. A lot of homes still being taken care Renovated of. Renovated and... FEMA. Yeah. FEMA's out and about. But a lot of volunteer work. We actually did some volunteer work one weekend and helped yes, uh, we clean up an old lady's uh, townhome. Yes, yes. So... One one bad thing about cleanup is, especially when it's after a flood, is that you get some awful smells. That's going right. On. That's right. So. And you were especially a trooper, you and our friend John, because mm-hmm. you guys really got in the muck of it. Yeah. And it's smelly. Yeah. Especially when water's involved. Yeah. Especially <clears> when <throat> you have a refrigerator that hasn't been opened in a week, mm-hmm. and it's got like swamp water, jelly, in it. and water, and, yeah. and chicken. Yes, very bad. Yes, but not that I'm complaining because I still feel very, very lucky that nothing happened to me. I do too, especially since I live like a mile away from where it really got bad. Bad damage, yeah, you really did. Like the whole area around you got it except your house. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we've been up to. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that an interesting recap? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. It was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so we're a couple weeks behind the curve curve on this, but we uh, decided to check out Iron Man 2 a few weeks ago. Right. And it's weekend debut. Um, Iron Man 2 stars Robert Downey Jr., Don Cheadle, Gwyneth Paltrow, Scarlett Johansson. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Um, uh, John Slattery has a little piece in it. Yeah, Samuel Jackson. Yes. I feel like we left out somebody important, but maybe we got everybody. Oh, Gary Shandling. He's yes. also in it, which mm-hmm. is funny. And Iron Man 2 is about, well, it's based on a comic book, which of course I know nothing about, but um, follows a story of Tony Stark, who is a millionaire, uh, sort of prodigal son, uh, I don't know, descendant of, what was his dad's name? Is it Howard? I Howard Stark. Maybe. Um, of Stark Industries, which mm-hmm. apparently is a huge corporation that builds stuff for war. Sure. And other things. I don't really know. I'm just making this up. <laughs> um, but basically, Iron Man 2 picks up from the first Iron Man movie where Tony invents a sort of like bionic, biological Iron Man suit and goes around and fights mean people. Right. And in this movie, he's kind of antagonized by this... Uh, Russian son of a of an inventor who worked with his father, right? Um, who comes after him just on principle, sort of. Well, he feels that his that Tony Stark's father is the reason why his family kind of ended up destitute. And, right. Yeah. Right. So he's trying to Ivan Ivan Stanko is that I've, his name? Ivana Hump a lot. Okay. <laughs> Ivan Stanko. But his yeah. name was. Yeah. <laughs> I cared about your personal. <laughs> Anytime I see the name Ivan, it reminds me of Ivan or Ivana. It reminds me of uh, Austin Powers 3, Ivana Humpelot. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. And so. And it's got a number of uh, subplots, kind of. Because yes. Tony Stark is having problems with the little invention that he created right. to help him, it's to keep him, him alive. Right. Yeah. And he's also, it's also sort of introducing the character of Rhodey, who plays sort of like an Iron Man 
buddy. Right. And wears a different Although suit. he was, in the first movie, he, yeah. he was played by Terrence Howard. But I guess they introduce him more as like an actual character. Like he was a character, but he wasn't like a... I didn't see him as that big of a role, I guess. Right. So what was the story with Terrence Howard not being the second one? Was that My understanding was he wanted more mo- money for the second picture. Why does every movie he do d- does have any every movie he does ha- have some controversy associated with it? I don't know. I hear he's not he's Fun a little bit of with. a cocky. Why? He's so cute. Why can he be such a jerk? Probably why. I don't but know. There's lots of cute people. He's a great actor that. too and I know. I would have He's I like Don Cheeto a lot, but I would have like really have liked to have seen how Terrence Howard, you know, me too, as a badass because he is a badass. Yeah, maybe that's why he's such a jerk. <clears throat> but uh, I liked Iron Man too. It yeah. was entertaining. It was good for what it's worth. I was, but slightly disappointed because it was a bit cliched. I didn't feel like they were breaking any new ground with the movie, especially with the um, the action scenes and right. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I guess. I'm not some huge action adventure buff, so I don't really go in with many expectations. But there just didn't seem like there was much action. Like no, there, there was were, a lot of dialogue and yeah, like big like setup types. Develop yeah, development yeah. periods, and then just a few minutes of action. Right. So I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say don't go see it. I'd maybe wait for it to come out on a video. Yeah. Or I mean, if you got a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon where you're just trying to. Like, you know, fill time. Like something fun. and Yeah, it's very light. It's not anything you have to think about. Right. Not really. Yeah. And so, um, Robert Downey Jr. is always fun to watch. He is fun. And he's funny. Yeah. And he's clever. And Gwyneth Paltrow actually had a lot more... Depth. Seen, yeah, in this yeah. movie. I liked her character. Yeah. It was actually her character, Don Cheadle. There was one other that I liked. Sam Rockwell was interesting. He we, was interesting. He had a scene where he looked very tanned up. He looked very tanned up during the whole movie, but yeah, yeah we there, were kind of wondering. Yeah. So if you see it and you want to write to us about Sam, or I almost call him Sam McGruber, <laughs> Sam Rockwell's tan, <laughs> then uh, you should, because there's one scene where we sort of wonder what the deal was with it. And yeah. a friend of ours agreed with us on it, so oh. we'll see what you Who? think. Ross? Ross. Okay. All right. Um, so what would you give, what rating would you give to I this, I would give William? it a 6.8. Yeah, I was going to say 7, so 6.8, 7, 6.9, 7.1. 7.5. Okay. On IMDb. So we're pretty close. Yep. Oh, and John Favreau. That was the other person who's yeah, in it. Yeah, who also directed it. Right. So. That's correct. He did direct it. He's a good it. director. I'll give up. He's a great director. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. All right. Um. So, I think a week later, we went to see uh, Babies. Babies. Which is basically a documentary. About by babies. A, who's, is the guy Swedish? Maybe a Swedish documentarian. We'll find out in a second. Yes, we will. And he basically films the first year, year in the life of four babies yes. in four different cities around the world. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, Tokyo, Namibia. Yes. And Mongolia. Yes, correct. And you kind of get an interesting perspective on how... Children are... Babies are raised raised, and socialized and... Even in the birthing process, how they are... You have kind of high tech, you know, a lot of computers and a lot of hookups and stuff. What do you call those? EKG? Yeah, monitors. Monitors in San Francisco and Tokyo and then... In uh, Mongolia and Namibia, Namibia. Is nothing, nothing really. Yeah. 
But I also noticed, and part of this is coming off, I watched a documentary called The Business of Being Born that Ricky Lake put out, and she talks a lot about um, sort of the, the importance that psychologists place on those first few minutes between a mother and a child and how you bond with a child how quickly that takes place and how the bonding rituals kind of cut off. That's a theory, by the way. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with it, mm-hmm. but it was interesting to see that, to see how different it was between those sort of modernized, what we consider to be very modernized and civilized countries versus those that were not as advanced technologically. Right. It so. was very interesting. And the thing that I, that, I thought about a lot while mm-hmm. watching the movie was infant mortality rates. Yes, yes. So I looked it up after Did we you? saw the movie, and I was going to let you, out of those four, how would you rank those as far as the least? I believe the, the U.S. has the highest infant mortality rate out of those three, doesn't it? Out of those four. No, Aren't we that's like, not what I... Really? Yeah. I thought the U.S. had like the second highest infant mortality rate based on per capita, based on population. Uh, and I could be wrong, but the rankings okay. I read said... The least from the least to the most mm-hmm. is Tokyo, then U.S. Okay, and then um, um, Namibia, and then Mongolia. Okay, but I could be incorrect on that. Well, but we might the not. U.S. Be is ranked like thirty third. This is from two thousand and nine, I believe. Okay, and uh, so that how far apart are the U.S. and Tokyo? Did you notice Tokyo is or Japan is third? So it is pretty a pretty big. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. But then um, Mongolia is like 175 or something like okay. that. So, hmm. so which sounds about right to me because when we were talking about monitors and hospitals and stuff, there are no they there was no hospital for Namibia, right? Right. And right. Mongolia were, were they in a hospital? Yeah, they were. They were, they were okay. in like a little. Oh yeah, yeah, know, yeah. It was almost like a clinic, kind of. That's what it reminded me of. It just right. appeared to be like rows of beds with it looked a little more uh not primitive but a little less frilly than a hospital here mm-hmm. so yeah it was interesting and i um if you're gonna go see i would recommend seeing it first of all but it's um there's not really any dialogue so if you're going expecting like a, a true sort of narrated documentary you probably won't get that mm-hmm. um it's just literally a few minutes of sort of shooting each child and they sort of move through the year of the child's life. And they show them in different situations, you know, at home, sort of out and about, whether they were out in the field with their family or socializing with other kids or at whatever that gymboree class is, um, right. things like that. So, And you also get to see the dads eventually because I wondered, where, where are the dads? Oh, well, You do in some cases. In all cases except for... Namibia. Right. Right. And even then, the dads still were. I think the Tokyo and U.S. dads were the two most involved, right? Yeah. And then Mongolia, Mongolia, and then Namibia. You don't right. you don't see the dad at all in Namibia. Well, there's a scene at the end, at the very end, when they're showing the credits, where it appears that a man is walking with the, the yeah, kid. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know if it was the dad or not. But right. It's anyway. just interesting, and that that whole um, that whole dynamic seemed very matriarchal. All the women gathered. They took care of the kids. They worked. It was kind of a cool. It's different. I yeah, I'd say it's, it's cool. different. Yeah. So yeah, I would recommend seeing that. I would too. We walked out, and a couple old couple, the wife of the couple, said, "Well, that was a waste of time." But I disagree. 
I concur. It's entertaining, and it's not too long. So No, it's not. <clears throat> it's very so, sweet. What would you give babies? I'd give it an eight. I'd give it a eight. Okay. Awesome. Baby. Baby. Six. Six point oh. Mm. Hmm. See, I really think people got hung up on the whole... They may not have known what they were getting, what they were going getting into. Because it looks from the the bio, from the biography from the trailer, it looks like it looks like a traditional documentary. You know, they're going to be chronicling the lives of these four children. It's really not that. It's more of an observation, I think, than a documentation. Right. So, um, I just want to see the director. Yeah, Thomas mm-hmm. Balms, and he's French. So it's probably Balmay or something. Balmay. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> so uh, yesterday we what, saw. Was it yesterday? That was yesterday, wasn't we it? We saw one more movie. We did. We've both been looking forward to seeing this movie. We have. Because we saw the previews for it, and then we heard lots of good things, and I read lots of good things. About it, yes. And then, I don't know what happened, but we decided to go see it. Mm-hmm. So we decided to see The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And we should mention we went to our favorite Nashville historical theater. And by favorite, we mean only. The Bell Court. Um, We've talked about that before. So that's where we went. Right. It's the only place that has the movie. Right. It's a foreign picture. It's um, Swedish. Yes. So it's subtitled. And I wonder if theaters are sometimes kind of pushed back at having subtitled movies because... We have another theater called Green Hills at Green Hills. And right. they, they show films like that every now and then. Occasionally. But yeah. really only if they get a lot of Oscar notoriety. Like, I wonder if this gets nominated, if they'll have it there at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although, be- I should point, and I'll point that. There was something I was going to tell you. I'll tell you now. Oh, okay. It's actually on here. But there, it's a part of a, a trilogy, the right. Millennium Trilogy. Right. The other two films are The Girl Who Played With Fire and The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest. And they're both supposed to be released this year. Okay. So I wonder if that'll have an effect on... You have these three movies coming oh, out back yeah, to back. that's true. They're the coming one, out this year? Yeah. Huh. The one great thing is uh, is that the people who starred in this one star in these last good, two. Good, yeah. good. Because I really like the people that starred in this one. Yeah. Um, but The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a story about... Um, he's an investigative reporter, right? Mm-hmm. Michael... Mikael uh, Nyquist or Nyquist? Well, that's his real name. Uh, Mikael Bloom, Bloomkist. Yes. Um, Nyquist, that's what they called him in the movie. No, um, that's his real name. Oh. Mikael Bloomkist is his Mikael Bloomkist. Yes. Um, and he exposes this case against a multimillionaire, I guess in Sweden. I didn't realize it was in Sweden until after, till just now, actually. Um, but ends up, uh, it ends up sort of being a falsehood and he gets sued by the, the millionaire and has to, ends up being sentenced to spend some time in jail. Right. Three well, months. Yeah. In the meantime, um, he's hired by, uh, I guess a millionaire. Named Heinrich Wanger. Yes. Sven Bertoltaub, <laughs> for those of you in Sweden. Yeah. Um, Hires him to investigate this old murder, what he thinks is the old murder of his niece, right. uh, Harriet, who disappeared in 1966. They've never really solved her her disappearance, but this uncle, who apparently really favored this niece, still gets a gift from, well, 
a gift that he thinks is associated with her, these little pressed flowers that are framed, and she used to give them to him every year, and he's still receiving them 40 years after her disappearance. Right. So he uh, hires Mikael to help him figure out what happened. And this whole Vanger group clan lives in proximity to each other on sort of an island, I guess, Yeah. outside of mainland Sweden that you can only get to via bridge. So that's kind of part of the story. Like, how could this woman disappear? There was an event on the bridge that closed it off. Like, very, very mysterious. Right. And all the members of the family, or most of them have kind of interesting stories. Yes. And not all of them are... On the up and up. Right. Yes. Um, And so around that time enters Lisbeth Salander, played by Numi Rapace, um, who's this young woman who was helping to look into Mikal at the beginning of the story. um, And she sort of figures out why it is that, that this multimillionaire that he was investigating, why that story sort of went awry and so you kind of figure out how they work through that um but she as she's following following him she realizes what he's doing and then sort of helps him crack a big component of the case and then the two of them join up and start working together right she's a computer hacker and she has this interesting way of getting into other people's computers and reading all their files and she's also there's kind of a subplot she's under a guardianship she was under guardianship of Someone, she's like a foster kid or something. I think it's like their version of probation. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That was the impression I got. Okay, so, um, yeah, so she's passed on to a new person. I guess the other person died. I can't remember. Yeah, had a stroke or something. Yeah, so she's under the guardianship of someone new, and there's a whole kind of story there. there. Yes, that kind of explains. She's had a troubled past, right? Which you this this these movies are based on novels by. Steve Larson. Yeah, Steve Larson. So, and so there's obviously a deeper story there with her, which is probably explained in the book. I haven't read it, but. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Well, and they kind of explained it in this movie, but I couldn't tell if it was just for cinematic purposes. Like, right. it makes a better story if they don't explain everything. Yeah. Or well, if, plus the movie is um, almost three hours yeah, long. It was long. Although I didn't feel it. I didn't. I felt it to a certain extent just because the theater was a thousand degrees, it and was I was warm. getting irritated by the end of it. Oh. And we sat next to a couple that talked through the whole thing. Um, but other than that, but yeah, it was a great story. And there's so many. There's a lot going on. Like you've got you really. This isn't one where you can just kick back. One because it's a foreign film, and two because th- you have to pay attention. There's a lot happening, and right. you'll you'll miss it if you're not watching closely yeah it's an intricate story yes and and, uh, and lots of different stories happening besides sort of this main investigation right yeah because even when you think okay they solved the story you think oh no they haven't solved the story there's still a couple of issues exactly. there yeah wait a minute mm-hmm. and it has a an interesting ending i'll say that yes and i'm very eager i'll just say that i really like the movie i love i the did movie, too i actually. did too and um so i'm eager to see the uh the two the sequels yes because yeah. um and i'm especially glad that the two stars who are very appealing mm-hmm. are in the the movies coming up because great acting great chemistry between those two the two main stars yes. and the uh, great bad guys yes and i would say great writing but you never know if yeah uh, you don't know how the translation how they've yeah if they've summarized things but the story is great i mean yeah. It's very moving and, and uh, um, enthralling. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. So, 
What would you give it? William? I would give it a nine, actually. I was going to say the same thing. Really? We're like uh, in sync this week. What's we the are. deal? I don't know. 7.6. Okay. So. Okay. So, yes, I would highly recommend seeing this. I would, too. And it will be interesting to see uh, come Academy Award time if. Although, yeah, if you're bringing out two other movies right behind it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it's gotten a lot of uh, recognition, yeah. so we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those were, those were our three movies that we checked out this week. Yep. Visit our concession and see for yourself the delicious treats, drinks, and snacks awaiting you. If you are thirsty, try ice-cold soft drinks or a cup of hot, flavorful coffee. Get something to go with it, like a sizzling and satisfying hot dog or a tasty, tender sandwich. Try one of these delicious treats, and you'll be back at the concession for more before the show is over. So how much would you say that we spend on movie tickets on average? Um... And we're in Nashville, so we're not, you know, we're not really on the high end of ticket prices, but we're not... This isn't a small town movie theater either. Right. I say for matinees around 16 for both of us. Mm-hmm. So eight bucks a ticket. Is that so, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so probably around 20 for a. And 20 for both of us for. So 10 bucks a ticket for evening shows. Okay. So how would you feel if <clears throat> instead of 20 bucks, it cost 40 bucks for two of us to see a movie? I don't think we'd be going. It you would don't? have to be something we really wanted to see. Okay. Well, apparently. Yes. In New York City. There are a few theaters in various New York neighborhoods that are testing out a $20 ticket price. Right. But it's not for regular tickets, right? Well, it's for the IMAX. And 3D. This week for the Shrek movie. Okay. Okay. So it's a big movie and sort of not just the regular version of the movie. Right. Okay. Although I can see it slowly bleeding into just regular features if they can get away with it. Although Shrek... May have been a bad choice to begin with because the rate the the um, reviews aren't that good. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if it'll be making a ton of money. Well, I just don't know. Like I see a lot of families going to see that. I can't imagine. I mean, when we were, my I grew up with two brothers, so going in the movie was expensive for a family of five. Right. Um. So I couldn't imagine my parents pay, playing paying a hundred dollars for just a family for to see a movie That's yeah just for tickets oh no we didn't get concessions oh, when we were kids okay. <laughs> we didn't do that william okay well see i was an I'm only child i, I know you were showered with popcorn and peanut well M&M. my dad always said you can't go to a movie without having popcorn yeah so I when got- i would go with just one of my parents they would always get a snacks but right. if it was like all five of us usually no snacks yeah but now the funny part is, now that we're older, my mom always gets snacks. Yeah. I'm like, where was this when we were little? <laughs> Although it is Just ridiculous. Kidding. I mean, you can go to the dollar store and get movie candy for a buck. Right. The same size box and everything. And that's usually what we did. Yeah. So we had snacks. But It's I'm, ridiculous, and it's also, like, ridiculous in calories. Yeah. So. True. Those two things are no bueno. But the article that we read about this... They're saying that revenue, even though attendance to movies is down, mm-hmm. revenue is still up. And that's what I don't get. So Why they are keep, they doing this now? Well, they keep jacking up the price because less revenue people are going. Down. Yeah, are going to the to the movies, so they're jacking up the price of the tickets. So why don't they lower the price so more people go to the movies? Uh, I, I guess they figure that the balance it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. To me, I don't know. 
I don't know either. But, um... I mean, you and I see a movie at least once a week, right? Yeah. Sometimes twice a week. So we're talking, if we went twice a week, if this continues, right? It'll take a long time to get here. But if this continues, that would mean if we saw two movies a week, we'd be paying $80 just to see a movie. But they're also changing things now. There was some ruling now where they're going to start bringing new movies directly to, like, on demand and stuff like that. And I wondered if that was part of it, the abundance of things like those red box. And first of all, new releases come out a lot quicker on DVD than they used to. At least that I remember right. when I was a kid. It was like, you know, six months to a year after a movie was in a theater that you'd see it. You could go rent it at the video store. Right. But now it seems like it's just a couple, couple months. months. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they'll have movies on DVD that are still in theaters. Right. And then also with the bootlegging and all that. Right. I don't know how much revenue that costs every year. So Yeah, that, I guess we've kind of made that problem for ourselves, haven't we? Yeah. So That's no good. I think, although I think this would have worked if they had done, and Avatar didn't need any help at the box office, mm-hmm. but if they had done this with Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. They would have had a better argument. I don't know how well they're going to do with Shrek. It'll I don't either. It'll be interesting to see. In fact... Let's see who the what the top five movies were. I think Shrek was number one this week. So, okay. You know, MacGruber came out, and it wasn't even in the top five. So. MacGruber! Yeah, Shrek. I was curious as to how they would make that into a movie. Oh, and happy birthday, Drew Carey, by the way. Yeah. Shrek made $71 million, which isn't bad, but I'm not sure. Don't they usually open in, like, triple digits? I think so. Hmm. So, MacGruber only made four. Yeah. Not good. No. That uh, Robin Hood hasn't doing very well either. No. That's too bad. Yep. The more, well, my final opinion is no. I don't ever plan to pay $20 No. a ticket to go see a movie. No. Then it becomes like a... That's my Netflix membership for a month. I think it's like 18 bucks for me to rent from Netflix. Right. So I could get unlimited movies for the same price as seeing Shrek. Yeah, you just might as well wait. And then, the, then it becomes a novelty. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like when we go to ball games and we always get club level seats. Yep. It's because we rarely go to a ball game. Right. So. Agreed. Yep. But if we were really wealthy, we'd go all the time. <laughs> we'd have and sit in club level season tickets. We'd broadcast from a state of the art studio. Right. In, With engineers and right, and a popcorn machine. Yep. <laughs> Just kidding. So, a couple of weeks ago, you introduced me to the movie The Apartment. Right. Which stars Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine mm-hmm. and some other people. <laughs> but it's basically about... Uh, it's what, what year is it from? Like 1960, I believe. Okay. But it's basically about a guy who works for an advertising firm who... Um, he's young, not married, um, and has an apartment in New York, who um, sort of, he doesn't even rent it out, but he allows all of these higher-level executives at the advertising firm to use his apartment in the evenings to um, wine and dine ladies that they can't, obviously, right, that they can't take home. Right. Because that's where their wives live. Exactly. Um, And so, apparently, uh, a new version of this this movie has been um, pushed onto Broadway. It sounds like a few years ago, in 68, actually, um, the play did a run um, on Broadway in New York and starred Jerry Orbach, who plays sort of this main 
male character. C.C. Right. Baxter was his name, right? Yep. Well, the newest rendition of this musical stars Sean Hayes, from, who you'll probably remember from Will and Grace. He played Jack, mm-hmm. um, rather flamboyant homosexual man, right. um, who recently has come out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Which apparently, I didn't realize this was like an oh-duh moment to a lot of people. <laughs> um, so a few weeks ago, um, Ramin, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, wrote an article for Newsweek that that basically sets his opinion that people, the reason this Promises Promises, part of the reason this new play Promises Promises isn't doing well is because people can't believe a, char- a gay character can play someone straight. Right. So people can't get past Sean Hayes' personal life, so they they can't watch a play where he plays sort of the the perpetuator of womanizing um, yes. character. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, apparently, um, last year, Rupert Everett also made a similar sort of comment. Rupert, Rupert Everett is openly gay and has been in a few few movies. Um, I can't. I can only recall one where he played a straight man, but um, said that he, he thought gay actors should stay in the closet. That basically your career, you, you commit career suicide when you come out of the closet because you're typecast. People don't believe you. People don't think that that gay men can play straight characters, etc. Right. So, I was just wondering what you thought about all that. Um, it, it's kind of tough because if I think of. Um, Sean Hayes mm-hmm. and seeing this this play, I think I would have a hard time believing it too. Just because you're going, it's almost like you're going from one extreme to another, where this right. this character is a ladies' man, and you know. And plus, I saw you know I used to watch Will and Grace, mm-hmm. and he was you know flamboyant and kind of effeminate in, a, in right. some ways, and so he sort of meets all the stereotypes of gay right. men. And yes. that, that show was on for quite a while. Yes. And I haven't really seen him. I, he was on Scrubs, I think, one time. But, you know, he's it's like seeing Frasier in something where he's like playing Rambo or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy right. it. Right. So, but this article also mentions, I think it was this article, also mentions like Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. I would and have no problem with seeing Neil Patrick Har- Harris in this exact same play. Right. And believing it. Right. And it's partly because he's on this How I Met Your Mother Yes. show yes and he's a ladies man and he's and when i watch the show i'm not it doesn't occur to me it never comes to mind that he's you know gay right it doesn't make you think it doesn't make you think well gosh this guy couldn't possibly be the sex maniac for women right he's a totally you know he's there's no way yeah so the the point is you have to it's already an uphill battle if you're sean hayes right but then you have to be able to sell it and neil patrick harris whether he was gay or not you know, he he still has to sell that character on that TV show, and he does it, and he does it well. And he's also in those Harold and Kumar uh, films where he's basically an asshole. Really? And he sell. Oh, you have. You I've never seen, seen those. Before. He sells it. You know, because you're so used to seeing him as Doogie. Right. Right. He just seems like he'd be a nice guy, but he's a jerk in these movies, <laughs> and he sells that's, it. And that's it's funny. Probably why he got the job on the TV show. Yeah. But um. And I don't think he came out until after How I Met Your Mother started, did it? Maybe right. Did, yes. Right? No. Yeah. It's after that. Well, and this author speaks to that a little bit because he says the only reason that Neil Patrick Harris and Portia De Rossi have had success playing straight characters is because they have played characters that are kind of a caricature as well as being straight. These aren't like how real people would act. 
they're sort of amped up for comedic value. So it's not like seeing like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld or whatever. Not that kind of like normal sort of day-to-day character. And that's why they can sell it. That's what he says. That's what he contends. And he says the same thing. You know, he he go he actually talks about Cynthia Nixon, Anne Heche. There's one other other woman, I can't remember who, um but says the the reason he he doesn't say the re- this is the reason why, but he says these women were not gay during certain points of their acting career. When Sex and the City started, Cynthia Nixon was married to a man. Anne Heche has gone back to dating men, one of which was her Men Who Live in Trees co-star. So he sort of he really he really paints a. Uh, he's really making um, kind of a bold statement with this. I think. So he's saying that if you come out, mm-hmm. if you're gay, like right from the start, mm-hmm. then you're pretty you're much. You're doomed. Yeah. Right. Mm. I guess I don't know. I mean, when um, Ellen DeGeneres, when she had her TV show, mm-hmm. and nobody knew she was, and people don't even talk about this anymore. No, but she don't. was like the first person on TV who to just really, came out and yeah. came out on her show. Yeah. And um, and the show went downhill after that. But I never thought it was because she was gay. To me, it was because that's all they talked about afterwards. Yes, I agree. I agree. She was always funny, but it was like the show took took a a turn after that, and it just became only about that. Right. It would be like at the Cosby Show, all they talked about were civil rights issues. <laughs> right. Right. Agreed. So <laughs> the fact funny. that you bring it up every now and then. I mean, it's relevant. Yeah, and they, you know, they'd have to obviously work in romantic right. interest into that story. But I don't. I think if it's something that you don't, I guess we see it as like when you see a show about a straight couple, they don't talk about how straight they are all the time. Right? Why would you assume that that that's how a gay person would act in their day to day life? Especially since that was fifteen years ago, probably. Right. And oh, so yeah. people aren't comfortable then mm-hmm. with someone talking about their homosexuality on tv right. not as much as now now it's it, people it's are still more. uncomfortable but it's not as big of a deal yeah so when you're pushing it in their faces all the time they're just going to turn the channel but Agreed. anyway um i think if neil patrick harris were in this show he would sell it i think and, he uh, would too but sean hayes you if you're on a show for eight or nine seasons playing this character, no matter whether it's a gay character or it's a like like I said, Frasier. Right. Or well, I think about like Meg Ryan, who played. She's she always played romantic comedies, the same kind of role, and we loved her. And I well, I'm speaking for myself, and I think you. We loved her in all of those roles. She played them well, and then she tried to kind of depart from that. I think Proof of Life was that the first movie that she did. Yeah. And she was not successful. And I don't know that it was because she was, she didn't necessarily sell it. I think she took some bad roles just to take them. But I think, um, I just lost my train of thought. I think that people were just so used to seeing her in those roles. It wouldn't have have mattered. You, it was hard to cut off what you knew about her and see her as this sort of like serious, she'd made some bad decisions, that kind of. I think she screwed herself in two ways. As far as that is concerned. Mm-hmm. I think, one, she messed with her face. Yes, she did. And she, she shouldn't, shouldn't have, have done, done that, that because people loved her. And she was so cute. She was cute. And that's the thing. She was cute. And now she all of a sudden looks like a clown. Odd. Yeah. And the thing with Proof of Life is she had an affair with Russell Crowe. Right, right. And so people hear this and all of a sudden you're you're a homewrecker. Right. Or you're, you're wrecking your own home. You broke Dennis Quaid's You're married Quaid's to Dennis Quaid. Yes. 
So nobody wants to, because I think that came out before the movie came out. It was like right around the same time or something, because it was all, it all kind of. And I was turned off by this. I mean, you have this wholesome, she presents herself as wholesome in all these movies. Right. And then she's making a departure. And at the same time, her real life is kind of in a shambles. Right. So from that point on, any movie she did was kind of a turn off. Although I think she could do something with Tom Hanks again and probably revive her career. She's got to do something about those lips, though, man. Yeah. Somebody's got to help her. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think, I mean, I think in general, though, when you talk about someone who's played either for a long time or for many years, has played the same type of role, regardless of what it is, they're always going to have trouble right. changing, you know, getting people to buy into that. So I think I think that's part of it. I don't necessarily agree with this Ramin guy, um, especially when he made points about, you know, Cynthia Nixon and and other actors. Um, and he actually brings up Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Heath Ledger that they were believable. And I don't necessarily know that I agree with him about that in Brokeback Mountain because I still, when I watched that, I was like, I don't really see this. I, I could see it in some cases, but in other cases, I think they had trouble selling themselves as like. I saw for me, I saw it more with Heath Ledger. I could believe it more with yes, Heath Ledger than I'd agree Jake Gyllenhaal. I agree with um, that. Yeah. So, yeah, in this particular case, I don't think it's, I don't buy it. I just think it's the person they chose to take the role. Right. Agreed. Okay. So the last and sort of our line of um, controversial topics um, have you heard about Bristol Palin? No. <laughs> you really haven't? <laughs> or are you just saying that for the sake I'm of just saying it. conversation? Um, yes, Bristol Palin is apparently going to be speaking um, in various places. Did it say where or that she's just been? Um, just she's available for conferences, fundraisers, special events and holidays, as well as women's youth, abstinence and pro-life programs. Okay. But the the thing that caught my attention is that she'll be earning between fifteen and thirty thousand dollars per engagement. Right. I have trouble with that. Why? Because I'm not really sure what makes her qualified to speak on any of these topics. Which I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what makes anybody qual? You know, look at look at look at her mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at anybody who. Anybody who's marketed wisely, what do they yeah. really have? Well, I mean, look, yeah, look at the president. I know, I mean, I've supported him, but right. I could understand the argument of this guy hasn't done anything. Why is right. he, you know? But I feel like even he, I mean, he at least had a little bit more experience than just Bristol Palin having a teenage pregnancy. Like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, well, here's the thing she's the daughter of a woman that pushed for abstinence. Mm-hmm. And she's also had experiences that none of us can relate to. So this whole, you know, um, she's on the campaign trail and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. And, she, I mean, the pro-life thing, it could have been very easy for her to walk away from that, you know. Situation. I think there's, yeah, there's certain unique things that she can probably, there's probably a lot of young women out there that may actually admire her. She had to go through a lot. Actually, I hold nothing against her, and I hold. And I think, as a, a mom, mm-hmm. a young mom, and she's working in a doctor's office, 
if you can make $30,000 doing something yeah. that's honest, um, go for it. Just like Levi Johnston. I mean, a lot of people come down on him. Yeah, but... But he got kicked to the curb after he was of no use yes. to them anymore. Yes. So I say do whatever you can do to make, you know... And I guess what bothers me is that I feel like I worry that this... I don't know. I just don't really care what she has to say, I guess. No, you don't. I I don't either. But if you're a 16-year-old girl and you know that she was pregnant at, what, 16, 17? Right. I, I guess my issue is how genuine is this? You know? How genuine is... Is, is what she has to say. You know, did she really learn from this? I just, I guess I just see her mother as being someone who, I guess that's where the issue is. Her mother seems like someone who just sort of rides the wave of whatever um, catchphrase she can get away with or gimmick she can hold on to. So I wonder if we're paying money to this young lady for the same thing. I I agree with you on her mom. I think there's an opportunist there. She's an opportunist. That's why I don't think her mom is... And let me say, I think Sarah Palin's a smart lady in, in really? that she knows how to she knows how to market work herself. It, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also don't think she's going to run for office in 2012 because it costs a lot of money to do that. And I think at this point, with the amount of money she's made and the amount of money she can make, mm-hmm. that's more important than running a race you know you can't win. Right, right. At the same time, I don't think Bristol Palin is her mom i think she had yeah. certain issues i read that game change book and I, I don't think i think she she has certain issues with the mom certain disagreements okay i think she's her, her own person maybe i need to read and that so, book then um I it'll be interesting to see what i mean if bothers me bill rancic is that his name there are people out there that go on these yeah but bill rancic speakers. is a smart guy and he actually won a contest where you had to show your prowess as a business person like not just how much you could talk about how great you were but actually digging in and doing work yes that to me is a little bit different than sarah it may be different i don't know that much about bristol palin as far as i haven't seen her in interviews stuff Mm -hmm. like that in depth well i think that's what the issue is like what 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 is this basis on a lot of teenage girls have babies and probably against the will of there were girls in my church whose parents were Big into the abstinence club. But they weren't the daughters of potential Fair vice enough. presidents. I guess that's my issue. This isn't that. The, first of all, it isn't that remarkable. Teenage women have, teenage girls have children all the time. That alone isn't that remarkable. Yes, I agree. But who am I? But if you're, you're a pregnant woman under that kind of pressure, if you're having a baby with the scrutiny of the world pretty much on you, and you're forced to. You're being forced to marry somebody that you're probably not really in love with, but because it's... I just think she would have... There's a lot of opinions she would have that I would like to hear as far as that's concerned. Okay. Fair enough. Whether it's worth 30000 I don't know, but maybe a cup of coffee. Right. Right. There you go. If you want to come have a conversation, that's fine. I'm not going to pay you. (laughs) Right. So that's all. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, what else? What do we have on tap for this week? Um, You're leaving. Yes, I'm going to Philadelphia for a couple of days, Memorial Day weekend, to see my mom. Yes. And then uh, I'll be back. Yep. And, and get back. Raring to go. 
That's right. We should we're probably gonna... think about what we're going to do next after you get back. Yeah. We're talking about another road trip soon. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so if you have any suggestions, tell us where we should go. Yes, we're open to anything. We're, we're actually getting our passports. passports. We keep putting it off. We do, but we will. Yeah, we'll get it before... Uh, we're going to Toronto. We plan to for the new year. So That's right. So we definitely you, have to have them before that. You know, the Toronto Film Festival is in September. Well, we've talked about that before. So, hey, you picked Toronto for New Year's. So. You know, George Clooney and uh, Jason Reitman were there you. last year. It's up to you, man. No. You make a decision. I'm just, just saying. Just pontificating? Yep. Okay. So. Uh, we have any movie plans coming up? Prince of Persia, which you wrote. Sex in the City that? 2. Uh, Max. Hmm. There's nothing coming out, apparently. Not next week. Killers. No. Get him to the Greek I'm on the fence about. Marmaduke, Spice. It's kind of surprising. Yeah. Because isn't summer usually... And I don't know, like, is there anything big coming out this summer? Depends on your... Like, the A-Team, Karate Kid. Joan Rivers, we saw the... I kind of want to see that, actually. And you know I'm not a big Joan Rivers fan. Yeah. But when we saw the preview for that, I was like, you know, I may actually... I think we should see that. It's probably going to come to the Belcourt. I like Joan Rivers. Oh, Toy Story 3. And Trash Humpers. We both want to see that. No? Yes, I do. Cyrus. Cyrus, we want to see see that. that. Tilda Swinton, what was that? I Am Love. I Am Love. Huh. That looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Although you weren't uh, too excited about the last Tilda Swinton movie we watched. Oh, yeah, but that didn't have as much to do with Tilda Swinton as it did just the premise of the movie. Grown Ups, which you're not enthusiastic about. I'm not. Are you enthusiastic about it? Not really. When you have Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Kevin James... David Spade in a movie. Yeah. It's the trailer should just be like hilarious. bent over laughing. Yeah. And night and day with Tom Cruise and Cameron that looks Diaz. That's kind of good. And Peter Sarsgaard. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not excited about it though. No. No. You know Cameron Diaz is dating uh, Alex Rodriguez now. What? Yeah. Gross. Okay. So, all right. Well, we'll be back in a little while. Mhm. I'm sure to regale you with Stories of wonder and amazement. And we're having some technical difficulties, which we're trying to figure out. Yeah. So if you hear a little static, we're aware of that. We're We're trying to figure it out. We're working on it. And of course, if you'd like to contact Emily or William, or Emily and William, you can reach us at the email address is vagabondexchange at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook. Just look for us under Vagabond Exchange. Yep. And we got some new pictures up there, so go check them out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings and use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.